Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 820. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, John Dranius. Hey, John, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am ready to rock and roll. All right. Great to have you here. John Dranius is an attorney at Dranius & Hugland in Lake Oswego, Oregon. His practice focuses on business and tax planning, primarily for closely held businesses and their owners, with an emphasis in all areas of federal and state income taxation estate planning, tax controversies, and he represents car collectors as an important part of his practice. Automotive enthusiasts will recognize John from his writing in Sports Car Market Magazine's Legal File, where he's contributed for over 10 years. This has all led to a sizable practice representing car collectors. He raced SCCA in the Spec Eraser Ford class and won a region championship back in 2013. And John's one of the founders of Friends of PIR, a nonprofit which supports the Portland International Raceway. He's also an organizer of the Oregon Festival of Cars, an event he's been involved in for over 20 years, and he's the past president of the Oregon Porsche Club region. So, John, I have told our listeners just a tiny bit about you and what you do. Would you take a moment and share just a little bit more about your career and, of course, your obvious passion for automobiles? Well, Mark, it's been kind of an interesting path. You know, I, I, I practice law every day. I've been practicing since 1977, and I've been a car guy ever since I was in high school and before. And I managed to kind of blend the two. been really interesting. Uh, it's been really fun. I met uh, a lot of really good people like you. Uh, I've had some really interesting things to do. And being a car collector lawyer is a, a really nice sidelight, and it actually blends in with a lot of the other things that I do every day, oddly enough. Well, it's really cool, and it's a key factor here on cars, yeah, the fact that you've combined law practice with cars. And it's so cool the way you've done that. And I've, gosh, I think I first met you was at a Porsche parade in Portland, probably 10 plus years ago. And I've known about you forever, of course, through your writing. I love your article you write for Keith. He's been a guest here on the show at Sports Car Market Magazine. And you've helped a lot of us when we kind of think about our cars as investments, because cars have become an integral part of many people's portfolios. Uh, in some ways, that's kind of driven car prices up, which is bad for some of us that like to buy these cool things. But for those of us who have bought cars in the past, it's driven prices too. So we can sell and buy something even better. So we're going to learn a lot more about you as we continue on your automotive journey. But first, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So John, take the wheel. Well, I always say if you're going to do something, do it right, make it fun. And that's how I think you can be real successful in whatever it is that you do. It's got to be something that you enjoy doing, something that you're good at, and you have to find a way to make it fun because if you're always bored, you're not going to like what you're doing and you're not going to do that well. So find what's right for you, what you're doing right for you somehow, just figure it out. And if you're not in the right place, then just move over to something else. You know, it's interesting because you think about law and you think, how can that have anything to do with cars other than 
maybe lawsuits for people who've crashed cars into things or something like that, or somebody who's trying to sue a manufacturer whose uh, car has done something they think it shouldn't have done. But you really help people a lot with their fun. So I love the way you've kind of combined this uh, passion for your, your vocation into your avocation and it's become your vocation again. So tell me a couple ways that you've made cars fun for your clients and helping them. Well, I'll, I'll let you in on a little bit of a secret. Cool. It's not really all that complicated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> How I got into doing car collector law was from writing legal files for Sports Car Market. You know, I started doing that, and I, I really didn't know very much about collector car law, as if there really is such a thing. And I just started writing articles about court cases and stuff. And after a while, it kind of really became clear that most of what you deal with as uh, someone that, that helps car collectors is really just basic legal stuff. It's the stuff you learn in the first and second year of law school. It's not really rocket science, but it's the stuff that a lot of lawyers just forget and never go back to. So if you've got if you've got a good sense of the fundamentals, you know, contract law, misrepresentation, uh, assorted things, then you can really do a lot of uh, a lot of good things for your clients. And then there's some specialized areas that you have to pick up, you know, like if, if you you know have I'm going to do this with collector cars, but. I've had clients with newer cars and they've had like lemon law problems and stuff. So that's more specialized stuff that you have to learn. But it's just really good. If you're really well grounded in the fundamentals, uh, you can make a lot of it work really well. Well, you certainly have. And as I mentioned, I've read your legal files and sports car market over and over again. And there's so many things that when I read those, I go, oh, I hadn't thought about that. But there's some pretty basic stuff that you get into as well to help people like you inherit a car. And all of a sudden you have uh, dad's uh, Ferrari Testarossa that's worth X amount of money. And you know what? There's a tax liability that comes with that when you sell it. You don't get to keep all that money. Things like damages to cars when they're on uh, Concord lawns, a recent article you just wrote, which was very interesting. So I love those articles. I would encourage our listeners to go back and uh, go into the archives at Sports Car Market Magazine's um, website where you can read those because there's so much information there. So many great things that uh, those of us who collect cars need to know so we don't get stung on the back end when we have a transaction or something goes awry. Well, let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. You talked at the beginning about being a car guy since you were a little boy. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you realize, yeah, I'm a car guy? Uh, Yeah, when I was uh, 17 years old and I bought a GTO. Oh, my. <laughs> Your parents were, were very brave. <laughs> <laughs> they, I don't think they knew what I was getting into. But, ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's an old Pontiac, Mom. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just, you know, it was, just a, it was an American car. It was a Pontiac big deal. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Tell me a little bit about that car as you remember it. Well, it belonged to, I grew up in San Francisco, and it belonged to a friend of mine who was a little older than I was, who lived around the corner. And and he would always uh, drive by my house to get to his. And it always just kind of, you know, lift off the throttle as he was coming down the street. And it always kind of rumble in the exhaust. I thought it was a pretty cool car. And then one day I saw he wanted to sell it. So I had, uh, I don't know how much it was. It was a long time ago. But uh, I had most of the money saved up from, I delivered newspapers in the mornings. 
and I uh, worked some other jobs and stuff. And my parents gave me a little bit of money and they didn't know what I was getting into. So I bought this <laughs> thing and, and I got into so much trouble with that Uh-oh. car. It was just unbelievable. <laughs> in those early days, you realized maybe I should be an attorney to get myself out of this trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured out how to get myself saved or something. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was just, uh, it was kind of a crazy thing for a teenage kid to have but yeah. that was, those were the days and it was really cool yeah obviously very cool having a gto as a 17 year old oh my gosh i had a friend in high school that had a z28 we called it the batmobile and uh, yeah he was one cool dude to have a car like that in high school when the most of us had uh, well, i had a car McGee, most of us had little slow cars but uh, that thing yeah he used to light up the tires when he left school every day much to the teacher's uh, chagrin they didn't like that very much well john what i want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down you've been in business for yourself for a long time you've practiced law you've ventured into this automotive law, if you will, or collector car law, if there is such a thing, as you said. But I'd love for you to share a big challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way. But of course, the most important part of this part of our talk is what did it teach you so you can move forward? Well, early in my career, uh, I was a lawyer at a small firm that was uh, owned by uh, one guy. Well, the the owner and I turned out to to just not get along very well. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was not a good relationship, and we didn't talk very much. And then one day he got he, he got kind of pissed at me, so he fired me. And uh, he threw me, you know, told me to leave, and I was I was out. Yeah. And I didn't even know. About all of a sudden, one day, you know, I'm I don't have a job. So then uh, some of the other lawyers kind of calmed him down a little bit. He says, "Okay, well, I'm sorry, I was a little." I was a little aggressive there. You can stay till the end of the month. Oh, jeez. Well, jeez, that's that's really good. Today's the 25th. Yeah, thanks a, thanks a lot. And by the way, there's a weekend in there, too. So Yeah, exactly. So I didn't know what to do. I started calling everybody I knew trying to find a job real yeah. quick, you know, yeah. and, and there was there was just no time for that. And I had all these clients that I was working on, and uh, I was just kind of pulling my hair out thinking, what what am I supposed to do now? You know, I got five days and I got to change my life. Yeah. And I was uh, working on a deal, on a real estate deal with another lawyer who I was real friendly with. And I told him what happened. And he says, holy crap, that's just ridiculous. You can't do that. He says, look, you know, just we got an empty office here. Just move in. We'll charge you. You can pay rent by the day or something. And then, <laughs> nice. Uh, and then, you know, when you find something, move out. So I thought, uh, well, this, uh, this is just great. I, I appreciate that. So I moved in, and I went from it, it was making. I was making. Uh, this was a long time ago. I was. This was good money back then. I was making twenty four thousand dollars a year, uh-huh. two thousand a month. And I went from two thousand a month to zero. Yeah, yeah. And I just. You know, I just put my head down and just started working and just did everything I could and and, uh, kept trying for a job, kept trying to find other clients. And two weeks uh, into it, uh, I had a guy pay me for seeing him. And then uh, I sent some bills out and then I got money in. And after a month, I made $2,000. Yeah, there you go. And I I thought, well, wow, this isn't that bad. (laughs) Yeah. So I cooled it. I cooled it on looking for a job part and just started doing the work that I had. Yeah. And the second month, I made four thousand (laughs) dollars. There you go. So I said, you know, I can I can get used to this. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's how I. So that's how I got into 
you know, being my own, starting my own law firm and wow. and, and moving on. It just uh, taught me that the best security you get, the only sec- in, in my profession uh, as a lawyer, the only real security that you ever have is being able to manage your own client base and make your own money and bring in your own revenue. It's a great story because... It's a classic example of kind of turning lemons into lemonade. And, you know, lots of times if we lose a job or whatever happens and you go, well, I've got to go right back to where I was, you need someone to kind of stand you up and go, well, there's another alternative here. In this case, that friend of yours said, why don't you just go into business for yourself? Here, just sit here. I love the fact he's charging you by the day. That's pretty cool. You know, kind of like an hourly rate with an attorney. So you're used to that. But uh, I think that's pretty cool. And to all of a sudden realize, wow, I can do this myself, which is my takeaway from that lesson. Is that what yours was that, you know what, I can just do this myself. Well, and also that you got to change the plan sometimes. Yeah. Uh, And you got to do it on the fly. And, you know, and that's a lot like racing. Hmm. Believe it or not, yep. you know if you you know we all uh, you, you know you you practice on a on a racetrack and you know take any turn you know and you learn the line and you have to be at this point on the entry at this point at the apex and and that point on the exit uh, and something happens when you're coming into that turn either you miss your breaking point or somebody's in your way or something or other and you don't hit the entry just right well the worst the worst thing in the world to do is try to get to the next place you're supposed to be yeah. because you're all you're all out of sorts you know so you've got to immediately redesign that turn and do the turn differently. Otherwise, it's not going to work for you. So life's like that, too. You know, when you get uh, uh, when something kind of hits you out of the blue and it's not what's supposed to happen. And all of a sudden you're in unknown territory. Uh, you got to figure it out real quick and come up with a plan B immediately. I love that. I love the relationship to racing, too. That's very, very cool. Nice story and success story. And congratulations for uh Finding your own way. I know all your clients these days are very happy for that. Well, let's shift gears and go to the what I call the other end of the spectrum, the aha moment in your career. And you alluded to something earlier when we first started talking, and that is getting to write for Sports Car Market in their legal files. Maybe that was your aha moment, but take us to whatever it might be and tell us how you turned that into a success. Well, I didn't really do any one thing. You know, it's just consistency and just constant, consistent effort. You know, they say, you know, what's what's that old saying about, um, you know, half of success is just showing up or something. Uh, you just you just persevere. You just keep doing it. You know, when you when it's not going very well or you don't seem to make making any progress, you just keep pushing and you just keep doing it. it. You know, it all kind of works out or it doesn't. But there's no one thing that you can ever do. It's not like winning the lottery, although that's a pretty easy way. Well, yeah, yeah. That doesn't seem to work for most of us, though. <laughs> Nope, that's a tough one. Yeah, for sure. Well, it, it's a great uh, metaphor for life, too, and it ties back to racing, is uh, just keep at it. Keep going, keep going. Don't give up. Keep changing your plan, moving around, trying a different approach, and uh, eventually you'll look back and go, wow, I got here. Uh, but it just takes time. So uh, great. I love that. Well, let's talk about a proudest career moment. You've been in business for a long time. I'm sure you've had a lot of very proud moments in your career and your life. But is there one that stands out for you that you'd share with us? Well, there's one type of thing that stands out. It's not any one particular thing. But the, the thing that keeps coming back is, you know, I'll be working with a group. And this happened when I chaired 
the Porsche Parade, with the Festival of Cars that I run, uh, all kinds of stuff. Friends of PIR, my office. You know, you've got a group of people, and you need to get and you need to get people to perform and to make things work. And you can't just tell everybody what to do. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of find ways to get people to think of the things that they need that you need them to do. And uh, so for me, when the people that I'm working with kind of step up and come up with the idea and carry it out and accomplish what I wanted to accomplish, that's what makes me the most proud uh, because I got somebody else to perform to a high level and it wasn't, you know, I figured I could just do it, but if I can get somebody else to do it and do it well, that's really something that I'm proud of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know exactly that feeling. I ran a business for years, and when you had those great associates that stepped up and came up with things, then they did them even better than you could have done them, and you just stand back and go, whoa, that is so cool. And it makes them feel good. It makes the whole company look great in front of your clients and friends and so forth. So uh, I like the way you approach that. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time. Now, I know you have some very cool cars in your collection. A couple of them, there's some of my favorite cars, but let's go back and talk about your first really special car. Maybe it's a collector car. Maybe it was a race car. Maybe it was just some kind of the first car you got, but take us back there and share a special memory you have with that vehicle. Well, it's got to be the 66 GTO. (laughs) There you go. We're back to the goat. (laughs) Yeah, back to the goat. And then uh, I got out of cars for a while after that. uh, And, you know, when I was uh, I drove the I drove the GTO into college, and then um, uh, after a couple years of college, I sold it to a friend. And my uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, convinced me that I needed to get rid of the GTO and buy a '59 Volkswagen Bug. Oh, that's an interesting switch. That was an aha moment. I knew I was dead. I was done for when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and you married her, even though it must be true love. Yeah, real, real persuasive. Yeah, there <laughs> and you then, go. Uh, and then when I when I got back into cars uh, after I got out of law school and started practicing law, I think the 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 first special car that I got was my nine eleven. Tell us a little bit about that car. Uh, it it's a nineteen eighty nine eleven SC. It's a Targa. Uh, a lot of guys don't like Targas. I think they're fantastic. Uh, I bought the car. With uh, thirty-five thousand miles on it, it was. It, it has a, an unusual color. It was a paint-to-sample car. Oh, nice! And it's a r- real light gray. But I, I bought that car, and uh, I started. That's how I kind of learned how to do everything. I, you know, I would drive it, drive it every day. Uh, I learned how to clean the car uh, for like concours. Mm-hmm. I learned how to drive on the racetrack in the car. Nice. Uh, I did uh, all kinds of, I, I did so many events in that car and so many different things. So I still have it. Uh, I just had it in the Porsche Parade Concourse last weekend. Oh, you took it to the parade in Spokane. Very, very cool. Yeah. The SCs are wonderful cars. They just got bulletproof motors. I've got a good friend and a regular listener, Bill, who's out there. A little shout out to Bill. He found a very cool SC paint to sample like yours, but his his is a lime metallic green, which is a very very cool car. Sports seats, all sorts of nice things. Oh, I love that car. It's just so so beautiful. I do like the SCs, and they've really kind of come up as all these Porsches have floated higher and higher in price. It's kind of pulled the SCs up, which I've always thought they're just fantastic cars. So somebody wanting to get into that market with a Porsche, a uh, very 
pretty much affordable still, but uh, better get it now because uh, they just yes. keep going up for sure. Well, how about a car that you let go? Is there a seller's remorse story in your garage? Oh, the only seller's remorse story, the, the best one I can think of. I don't, you know, I haven't sold that many cars. You're I a smart keep, guy. Um, yeah, I buy cars that I like and I keep them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm careful about getting something I really like. Then, you know, I don't have to flip it very much. But the one, uh, the sort of the seller's remorse stories, back when, uh, when I was in college, I was in business school at Berkeley. And I was living in San Francisco at my parents' house. They had this little apartment downstairs, and he accessed it to the garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, was no, there was no entry. So I was uh, sitting there one night with my with my wife, uh, which is my girlfriend, then the one that got me into the Volkswagen. <laughs> that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and uh, the bell rang, and I walked out and opened the garage door, and it was my friend George who had um, – I'd just gotten back from uh, running around in Europe. So he comes in and we sit around talking for a while. And he's really kind of edgy. And he says, uh, hey, you know, come on, I'll, I'll, let's go outside and I'll, uh, I want to show you my new car. So I said, okay, cool. What'd you get? Well, you got to see it. So he, when he was in Europe, he bought a Dino Ferrari. Oh, nice. And it was, and it was parked on the sidewalk out in front of the house. And I'd never seen one before. And uh, let alone driven one, you know, and he said, well, let's go for a ride. You drive. So the three of us, <laughs> you know, he and my, my wife and I get in the car and we took it for a drive. And I thought this was just a really, really cool car. It, you know, I just it just handled like crazy. The total opposite of what you're accustomed to with mm-hmm. a, a big American car. Oh, yeah. And stuff. And I thought it was just fantastic. A few years later, uh, when I was. I can't remember. I think it was in law school. My friend calls me up and says, hey, you know, I want to sell that car. You want to buy it? And I says, well, wow. <laughs> How much you want for it? He says, $11,000. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, a year's tuition at law school back then was 3000 Yeah. So that was a lot of money. And I says, cough up. Yeah. that was a lot of money. Yeah, that was a lot of money, you know. So I says, oh, God, I'd, I'd really love to. I'd love to, but uh, I, I just can't. I don't have any way of doing that. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So I missed my chance to have a Dino. To own a really, really cool Dino Ferrari. Yeah. You know, it's funny we're talking about this because just a few days ago, I had a guest on the show from Italy. He works for McLaren, their F1 team, Francesco Aglietti. And uh, he had a Dino that he bought out of Japan and ended up having to sell. And the first Ferrari I ever drove back when I was in high school detailing cars was a Dino. Ah, they're just such wonderful cars. And, you know, now, of course, they've just gone through the stratosphere in the last five, six, seven years with their prices. Uh, reservedly so, the Paninfrina design, the cars are just so beautiful, so beautiful. But, uh, well, we'll move on. We won't go back there because, uh, yeah, they've become very, very unobtainium expensive uh, in uh, recent years. So, nice car. What color was that, Dino? Oddly enough, it was orange. Oh, cool. That's pretty rare. And it was an early prototype car. Okay. Or something. So wow. it was, it would have been a pretty cool car to own right now. Uh, you think? Yeah, maybe. Just a yeah. little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I'd love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about this event you've been involved in for 20 years, the Oregon Festival of Cars. Tell us what this event is about, when it takes place, and, and why you're uh, such an active participant in this event. Well, this started, you know, 20 two-ish years ago as a Porsche Club event. A friend of mine organized it, and it was a car show in uh, at Sun River, 
just south of Bend. And I went, and it was kind of fun, but we got rained on. So everybody was sort of uh, unhappy about the weather. So the next year, we had the um, same event, uh, and it got moved to a different time of year, thinking we'd have better weather. And we got snowed on. Rain and <laughs> snow. Welcome to the just, Pacific Northwest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, my friend uh, uh, had a, a friend of his who was local to Sun River that was organizing it with him. And everybody was real depressed about that. So anyway, the uh, Jay, the fellow in Sun River, uh, got all bent out of shape because some of the Porsche Club people in particular, the president at the time, was really negative about this. And uh-huh. he felt real slighted and he was real angry that uh, nobody appreciated his efforts and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he and I had, we'd met and we'd gotten to know each other a little bit and we got on pretty well. And, and uh, he and I decided, well, why don't we just do this? Screw the Porsche Club. We'll just do it ourselves. Yeah. And I came up with the idea of inviting the Porsche Club, but also other car clubs and kind of do a uh, multicultural car event. Sure. So we took it over in the third year invited the Porsche Club, the BMW Club, the Mercedes Club, the Jaguar Club, you know, et cetera, all the all the different Alpha Club, all of the different car clubs. And we had a multicultural car show. Uh and it caught on. Everybody's had a, a real fun time, you know. We um uh kept it real low key and fun and it uh was all about showing the cars and just getting to know each other. And what we did strategically at the time was didn't we didn't put all the Porsches together and all the BMWs together. We just mixed everybody up. So you had the uh, you had a Porsche guy parked next to a Ferrari guy, which is like really risky. <laughs> it come, might come to blows. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Jay and I thought this would be kind of cool to watch. Yeah. <laughs> to see there what you happened. go. Well, <laughs> somebody's so, going to need a journey know, we were, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It could, it could drum up business. So, there you go. Yeah. So it kind of forced everybody to get to know each other, uh-huh. and it worked out really, really well. So it grew over the years, and uh, and then a while back, Jay died, and I've been doing it uh, with a group that helps me ever since. So we've uh, we've moved it uh, a couple times. It's now at the Broken Top Golf Club in Bend. We used a driving range, which is just an absolutely gorgeous place, and it's still the same concept. You have all the, all these different cars, different marks, and they're all in the field together. And it's all about having fun. The judging is not really judging. We get awards for like the reddest car. <laughs> One time I put my wife in charge of giving awards, and she got some other women on her judging team. So it was an all-girl judging team. Oh, cool. So I didn't know what they were going to come up with. But at the banquet that night, they gave uh, uh, they gave an award to a 355 Ferrari as the car that they would most like to get in the door settlement. Ah, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> w- when does the event take place? Uh, two weekends after Labor Day. So this year it's September 15th, I think. There you go. There you go. Obviously you have a website for that so people can go there and find that. Yes. Oregon Festival of There you go. I'll make sure that's listed on John's show notes page here on the Cars Yeah website. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, John. If you were a car, what kind of car would John be and why? I'd be a 911. Uh, I kind of thought you'd say that. I know you're a Porsche fan, although you're you're into other cars too, but uh, why a 911? The reason I would be a 911, because I identify with it the most, you know, it's the, the thing that's really cool about a 911 to me is that, um, you know, it's not the fastest car in the world. 
it's not the best handling car in the world. Uh, you know, it's not really like the best of any particular thing, but it's really, really good at more things than any other car. Yeah. So you can you can drive it every day. It's reasonably comfortable. The ergonomics are really good. It's it's plenty fast for a street car. It handles really well. You can race it. You can autocross it. You can show it. Uh, you can daily drive it. it, it it's got the long the largest number of positive attributes of any of these cars. Right. Right. My. Uh, you know, I got a, a, for example, I've got a 308 Ferrari, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool in a lot of ways, but it's it's only got like three really good characteristics. The 911 is that thick. There you go. I like it. Very nice. Well, John, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. Okay, John, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. You've been on the track. You know what that means. The white flag's out. Time to put your foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Pay somebody who knows what he's doing to fix it. (laughs) Yes, very wise, for sure. Same comes to legal issues you encounter. Pay somebody who knows what he's doing. Do never, never represent yourself. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe contributes to your success? Uh, Persistence. Uh, I don't give up real easy. Uh, I get, um, you know, I'm not a dog on a bone necessarily, but I kind of, I, I, I always keep in mind what what I'm trying to get to, what my goal is. Yeah. Uh, I always want to know where the checkered flag is. And then no matter how you bob around or weave and things change, always keep going back to the same end point and figure out how to get there. 
Now, do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you find uh, really, really fun? Uh, sports car market. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Keith's been a guest on the show, known him for a long, long time. It's a great publication, probably one of my favorites that I get in the mail. And of course, your article that's in there as well is fantastic. I always flip to that to see what you're going to teach me. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Well, you know, that's a tough one because there's so many really interesting characters, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, and the, the one, you know, the one I'd really like to, you know, get an inside story from would be like Enzo Ferrari, but you would never would. So having a drink with him wouldn't <laughs> yeah. really make a whole lot of sense, you know, but I think, uh, uh, I, I kind of, uh, this is an odd choice. It'll surprise you, but I think, uh, the guy I'd most like to have a drink with might be John DeLorean. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, I mean, he started out, you know, at General Motors. He was a big guy, you know, he was a big product guy, created GTO, I think, and, uh-huh. and, uh, rose through the ranks at General Motors, you know, got, I think he probably got canned, didn't he? And, and then he, yeah. he moves on and then he, uh, uh, starts up his own car company. That takes a lot of, Hoods a lot of nerve, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, and and he goes to Ireland to do it. There, there's a lot of economic development money available to do it with, so yeah. it was kind of a you know a little bit of a uh, of a gimmick. But still, he goes and he does that, and then he gets into the, the drug thing out of desperation. But I figure the guy's got to have some great stories to tell. Yeah, and you get a couple drinks in him, and I think he'd probably tell you. Uh, yeah, he probably would. I'll tell you what you should do. I had a guest on Cars Yeah here a few years ago, Barry Wills, and he's been over 50 years as the global in the global automotive industry. And he wrote a book, his first book, John Z, The DeLorean and Me, and it's it's tales of an insider. He were, he was the longest active employee for DeLorean Motor Company. He knew John DeLorean like nobody else knew him. And his book is absolutely fascinating to look at all the inside stories of what was really going on from the very beginning all the way to the bitter end. So uh, for those listeners out there, check out uh, Barry Wills on the Cars Yeah website. And uh, I think you got to get your hands on that book, John, because I think you'd find it really interesting and, and very surprising. There's some really surprises in there. You know, there's the myths that have built up over the years about DeLorean, but uh, Barry writes it in a way that he was actually there. He saw everything. He was the last guy to shut the door and turn the lights out. He had to liquidate the entire company after John was arrested and uh, everything you know, went to hell in a handbag. Very, very interesting story. So I think that you would like that. And speaking of books, is there a book that you've read that you'd like to share with our listeners? Got nothing to do with cars, but my favorite book of all time is uh, Love in the Time of Cholera. Gabriel Garcia Marquez, a fantastic author, written in Spanish, translated, had a great translator, I think. It took me weeks to read that book. It's not that long a book, and I read it a lot, but uh, it took me forever to finish the book because I would read a paragraph, and I would stop and think, God, that is just beautiful writing, and I'd go back and read it two or three more times because it was just such 
beautiful language and writing. It was, uh, I just love that book. Very nice. Well, I'll remind our listeners, you can find a link to that book on John's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. And there's another great place on the site called Guest Recommended Books, where all the books recommended by my fantastic guests are listed there. And I've made it really easy for you to get your hands on them with just a click to buy. So check it out. I'm going to get my hands on that book and read it. You got me very intrigued. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, John, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. You can only have one collector car in your garage. I'm sorry, it's just going to be one, but I'm going to buy it for you, so money is no object. What would that car be and why? It'd be a 911, uh, just because of the versatility and the multiple things that you can do with the car. I see you can make it a little hard for me today, John. So here we are in our deposition. I'm going to go into my lawyer mode. So, Mr. Dranius, we've got to get a little more detailed here in court today. So what model car are you going to pick? It'd probably be a 73 RS. Okay, now we're talking. Um, it's a, the quintessential 911, you know, and it, it'd have to be the lightweight version Uh well, well, you know, I might, you know, I might do a touring just because it's a little bit more comfortable. And you got to, you know, I, I don't own cars. I don't drive. I got to, you got to yeah. drive them. So if the cars are easy, if it's easier to drive, it's a little bit better. But, uh, but it'd probably be a '73 RS. All right. I knew if I pressed you a little harder here in court, I'd get you to answer. I had to put my Perry Mason suit on a little bit here, but uh, I hope you don't mind me doing that. But uh, <laughs> I think okay. you picked the right. I think you picked the right car. That is one of my favorites too. It's kind of the quintessential iconic bucket list car for early Porsche 911 lovers. So uh, very, very nice. Well, John, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. Thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. Would you offer us one parting piece of guidance? and wisdom before you rip off down the track in that 73 RS Carrera. Let's make it a lightweight, okay? You know, just stick with it. Have fun. When you um, look back on your life, you want as many memories as you can have. So just create as many of them as you can. Good ones. Yes, of course. Always the great ones. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you, your company, and what you're doing these days? Uh, You can... uh read sports car market you can just google me you'll find our law firm's website i'm kind of easy to find i think it's uh dranius and hugland.com i'll make sure that i list uh links to those sites on john's show notes page here on the cars yeah website john thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and uh i want to thank you for some taking some time with me here today it's been a real real pleasure I know uh, we'll, our paths will cross again probably uh, this summer at Pebble Beach and uh, on the lawn or at some car show, maybe the works event there since we both love Porsches. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. I'll be looking for you. Thank you. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, 
you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!